Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? Step up like a boss and save the day? Or see what life's like under the tree of life? Did you? If you could. Would you? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play. Bring the magic at Walt Disney World Resort. All right, y'all, it's spring, and you know what that means. It's time to start planning our summer festival traveling. Yep, it's time to get into my Airbnb bag cross-country, a.k.a. uh, time to visit my homes all across the country. And you know what I never think about? Why not list my own spot on Airbnb and host some folks at my house? I mean, my house is cute. Yes, let's make money while we're spending money. Just trying to help you out, man, because your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Questlove Supreme is a production of iHeartRadio. How's your smoked salmon? Is it delicious? It is, except my toast is like underdone because I was rushing and I realized I was late for y'all. So it's not as crunchy as I want it to be. Journey, Mm. you're you're with friends now. You can actually just walk to the (laughs) stove and start cooking. <laughs> or just thank us for the first cast to start cooking their dinner while, while on the show. Anyway, let me let me do this. All right, I got to make up an intro because it would be disrespectful. Wait, if, you uh, don't have an intro prepared for me, Amir? <laughs> you wow. I'll right, do it. All right, all right, here we go. Here Amateur we go. Podcasting. All right, ladies and gentlemen, um, our guest today has the distinct honor of being. Okay, I'll round it off. 14 years my junior, yet uh, I think she has clocked in more years in her profession than mine, True. which basically means that she's literally been acting since she came out the womb. Um, I think her first gig was when she was 10 months old, so that, that should put it in perspective. Anyway, uh, full disclosure, uh, we are uh, close friends. So this is my preface way of saying that I'm I'm a lazy show host and introducer, but I'm also a fan. So, you know, it's important to note uh, that Journey Smollett is not anyone's overnight success. Uh, she has the receipts to prove it. Uh, I'm going to go off the top of my favorites. Of course, there's Full House on our own, uh, Hanging with Mr. Cooper, uh, Cosby, the CBS version. Oh, Movies, God, Eve's Bayou, Friday Night Lights, Friday Night Lights, Roll Bounce, uh, The Great Debaters, uh, True Blood, Parenthood, Birds of Prey. Let me cut to the damn chase. Uh, it's as Letty Lewis. I pray that's your last name on the show. Yes, I believe it's Letty. Letty Lewis, an instant African. I won't. I won't say. I, I don't know to call this Afrofuturist or an American horror classic story. So. Mm-hmm. I will say that this is an instant American horror, African futurist classic, mm-hmm. Lovecraft country, uh, that our guest has somehow managed to turn 
somehow ironically into a breakout role while having a 30-year career under her belt. How's that for winging? Are you, is she watching wow, me sweat right nice. now? Wow, anyway, ladies and gentlemen, yeah. please welcome <laughs> actress, singer, activist, mother, baseball bat swinger, <laughs> Flavor Flav understudy, and Midnight <laughs> Chef, Journey Smollett, for the second time to Questlove Supreme. Anyway, Aww. how you doing, wow. Journey? I know you'd rather Good. be doing anything but the 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 groundwork of 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 doing interviews so i'll try to make this as painless <laughs> as possible hi hey how was your day today hey. i'm just gonna this is gonna be regular how was your day today i mean it was okay i've been sitting here all day long doing interviews and zooms and things of that nature so you know happy to do more i mean so you're still us. you're still i know, I know it's the start this <laughs> downhill. we're gonna have fun though we have fun okay good okay i know y'all no, have fun. I, I, I get it Jeremy. I, I understand no, no, no. that it's, it's i'm happy to thank you for that introduction i'm like wow dude that that was okay. freaking Damn. off the top i was scared because i i know i missed something that you were in ah! i don't remember what was it uh, no i was like i won't mention uh temptation with kim but I forgot you did that too. Like the music video? No, she oh. she was in um Temptation. Oh, uh, Temptation, Tyler Perry. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Yes, yes. yes. I yes. forgot. I, I knew I f- forgot something. There's probably 42 other things that I've missed as well. Anyway, so you, you've been sort of on the grind, reintroducing you know my, you, yourself to you America for my, the 12th time. Right, right, right. You've, you've known my grind. You, I know. Uh, one thing people don't know about First of all, Amir and I have known each other for so long. We met, you came to, we didn't meet here, although you were here. You were at the Gridiron Game premiere, you told me. Do you remember that? You all right, indeed. Oh, I forgot to mention Gridiron. Yes, I was there. You were at the premiere of that, and then you reached out to me on MySpace. Oh, I remember MySpace very well. Wow. <laughs> you asked Wait, me. Wait, does MySpace Tom still at? exist now? No. Where's Tom? No. Are you sure? So. They, they Facebook. wrapped up Facebook. Oh, okay. Does Facebook still exist? Mm, um, it shouldn't. <laughs> it shouldn't. Right. Exactly. Uh, I'm actually checking to see does my space is my account still good because I left. <laughs> what was your screen out. name? I think it was quite. I don't know. I don't Quest remember. Though? But Justin Timberlake purchased it, so it yeah, it's still it, MySpace still exists, ladies and wow. gentlemen. It still has some of like your old pictures on it, but not all of it because I go sometimes. Yeah, wow, how do what? I even find now what? I gotta see. Shit, I gotta oh. see Friendster is still up. I'm no. sorry. Oh. Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> do we still have our MySpace accounts? Yeah, wow. yeah. You still I don't know if you can log in, but you can still see like if you hit some pictures. I know I can. And it's no. some audio. Mm-hmm. Yeah, MySpace is still now a thing. We're all going on MySpace. Yes, we are all going on MySpace. <laughs> I don't I'm not, know. I'm ready to get all some you know where I'm at, my mirror. We've been talking about Lovecraft. I know, I know. And I've been, like, I'm such a fan of the show. I think I've been waking you up out your sleep to ask you questions about the show. Yeah, pretty much. I, I do get I'm glad you obliged me. At, like, me. one in the morning where you're like, Negro. Yeah, <laughs> yo. <laughs> that's a compliment. And, and that's her cleaning up the word. Yes. <laughs> if we're going to hit it a little, can I just ask Journey? Yo, I'm just glad to see you and Misha Green back together because... The underground was like 
my shit. It was my show too, man. I mean, I it's what's so funny about Misha and um and my relationship with her is how we started off. Like we started off hating each other. I what? couldn't stand the I could not stand her. When I tell Why? you pilot of underground, I remember calling my people being like, what did I sign up for? And how do I get out of this? I heard she's an experience. (laughs) Well, here's the thing. She and I, you know, initially she, she, one of the first things she had said to me was she grabbed my hand. She said, we're going to be best friends. Uh, (laughs) Yuck. She works out. (laughs) Right. Usually doesn't. (laughs) And so as we started doing the pilot, we just kept butting heads. It became a running joke on set that, oh, if Journey's in the scene, good luck starting um, on time. Journey and Misha are going to be arguing for 20 minutes prior to the scene. Oh, it's and- like Thanksgiving. Wait, are you allowed? <laughs> Wait, now I'm playing. Are you allowed to <laughs> argue with your director? Well, here's the thing. She was. It was the first time I was like the the lead of a show, and it was the first time she was a showrunner of a show. So. We there was a lot of pressure on us, right? And and I wanted, you know, I come with all my research and my opinions about a character. Like, look, you hired me to do a job, right? So let me do my fucking job. And then here she comes, being like, yes, but this is what my vision is, blah blah blah. And that's normal for for people. But we just had to figure out how to collaborate. Um, we had to figure out each other's love languages because there was a lot of just debating and arguing and not seeing eye to eye with things. And then, you know, once we got over that, it was really the whipping scene in the pilot of Underground in which we argued to, I mean, over-talked it. And, and, and I kept saying, look, it's not on the page. It's not here. What you want me to do, I don't know how to make that sit in my body in a truthful way. So, and everything I would try, we rehearsed it and I would try things in my body and she would just be like, no, that ain't it. No, that ain't it. And I'm like, who is this heifer? Like, you gotta <laughs> let me try, you know? And, and so finally on the day of shooting, I told our director, Anthony Hemingway, I said, we, I don't wanna discuss it. Don't talk to me about this scene. I'm gonna go out there and do it. I don't know how I'm gonna do it, but I'm gonna do it. I said, the only thing is, please don't let me hear the sound of the whip. Because at this point, I've got nothing else to hold on to, to, to get an actual response out of me, you know? Um, and then I looked up and we're sitting on this plantation. It was a real plantation in Louisiana. And I saw this oak tree and this tree had been there for over 200, probably two to 300 years. And I thought of Billie Holiday's strange fruit. And I thought of all the strange fruit that had probably hung from that tree. And I just prayed to the ancestors and went out and did the scene. And Anthony didn't cut. He just kept doing take after take, angle after angle without cutting. And afterwards, I couldn't stop crying. I was crying for like a good 10 minutes. And Nisha and Aldous and Anthony just held me. And it was an interesting breakthrough for Misha and I of like, okay, we just have to trust the process. And we just have to trust the material and we have to trust each other. Because when it comes time, the work will be there. When when high intensity scenes have to be shot, be it murder or the awkwardness of a love scene or screaming or shouting or rage, uh, your iconic baseball bat scene, how much 
preparation mm. or time do you need to go to a convincing dark place? Or is it like you show up at set of five in the morning and go? Oh, no. I'm not that person. That I, I would never... I, I, it just, I'd have nothing to pull from. My, my well would be empty. I've done right. it and it just don't work out. So I, I spend a lot of time doing research. Okay. Robin Williams once shared a story about when shooting uh, with De Niro, Robin Williams and De Niro. Mm. Awakenings. Um, Awakenings. There's a scene where Robin Williams and De Niro had to like, come outside of the hospital and they were shooting a, lo a location in the Bronx. And, um, you know, since the beginning of the film, De Niro was uh, in method acting mode and stayed mm -hmm. that character the entire duration of the film, mm -hmm. even when he went home. And um, because they were on location in the Bronx and there were like people on standby watching this one spectator, I think like distracted De Niro so much that they had to shut production down. Like it was like an old drunk black guy, and he was trying to get his attention all day. Hey, Bobby D, Bobby D, and then he was like, "Hey, hey, Bobby D, you still love sucking on that black pussy?" Oh, and like, <laughs> and Robert Williams, like they tried to ignore it, and then Robert Williams looked at De Niro, and then they started dying. Like they was laughing on the floor, cracking up. And then De Niro couldn't get back into his character. They had to shut down oh, wow. and like let him reset and come back the next day to do that that scene. So I wow. always wondered, like, in terms of of channeling that, like, how mm -hmm. hard is it to? How long do you need to to get into that? For one, that's a movie with budget. They shut down because <laughs> someone gets out of character. Cool. That's like. Budget. Must that, be nice. I have never experienced that. You know, it's it's interesting that you you talk about that because half of the battle is um, fighting off the distractions. You know, set is such a it's such a circus. You know, um, and in all the preparation you do, whether you get months or weeks or however much amount of time you get leading up to you know go time, when you get on set it's a whole different beast. And that's a different muscle that you have to be able to express. It's almost like a meditation, you know, it's a part of your brain you got to go into where you are able to just focus in on the intention and the character and the truth that you're supposed to communicate. Um, it's quite challenging in scenes like that, but it's just different methods I've always, I've, I've used or I've picked up, you know, that just kind of helped me in my process, get there. And there, there's no like one quick fix with it. It's like every project demands something different. It demands a different level of physicality, a different level of research, a different approach. There's not like a, a menu or manual for any project. I find like, you know, it might be music. It might be being in the library for hours. It might, you know, it's, is it a trial things. by fire, though, or have you had moments where, you know, I mean, I'll, I'll say that at least in your choices of what you choose to do, there's always, uh, you know, a, a maverick there or, you know, I I don't know if Denzel's a person that pulls you to the side and says, you know, I want you to tweak this a little bit and whatever. 
Like, is that even allowed? Or if it's like low budgets, like we only got room for two takes and be out or. Oh, no, no, no. I mean, the, the goal is for sure to have those people around you. You know, I for sure have that in Misha where um, she will tell me it, it's not there. Let's, let's, you know, we're going to go again. Um, but you build up the trust with your collaborators, with your other actors. Um, the hardest thing is working with people you don't trust. I mean, you have to work so much harder to protect the performance and protect the process when you feel like, oh, this director don't know what the hell he or she's doing right now. Like, <laughs> you know, that to me is so terrifying because there's just a level, there's more work you got to do. You got to work so much harder. When you, when I did Great Debaters with D, is just like, I mean, for one, it was like taking a master class, but... I know we're not moving on until we got it, right? So we might take a penalty with lunch. We might have to whatever, what, you know, hell or, or high water, we're going to get this, right? The break um, union rules? Wow, I did not know that. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, Denzel rules, huh? No, but here's the thing. I mean, it, smart directors and smart showrunners know when to pick and choose that stuff, you know, of like, this is, this is a scene, we got to get this. And there have been times... Even on Lovecraft, there were moments, you know, for instance, with the the exorcism scene, um, I had to go up to the, to the director and I had to say to him, I, I was like, you know, me and Jonathan, <laughs> we're in it and, and everything's being kind of shot except us, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. Um, Is and this I the circle have- scene? Is this when, are you talking about that scene? Yeah, in uh, episode three, in when okay. yeah, yeah, in the basement, and it was it was one of those moments where, as an actor, you got to protect the performance. And so I went up to the director and I said, "Listen, my well, me and Jonathan, I mean, like we're giving it all, and I don't, you know, you're well, you're going to get to a point where there's nothing left to give. You know, it was it was a scene we shot over the process of three days. Mm. You know, um, and so." there's all these elements they're blowing these wind fans there's cgi and so there was so much going on and so the the director had a lot on his plate to um kind of capture everything but at the essence there is no scene if you don't have this performance right and so that sometimes you got to do that. You got to like pull a director's oh. tail and say, I thought hey. you were going to say they called the actors so that can maybe help a little bit. Like instead of it just being you and then they called those. No, no, no. What I'm saying is uh, in shooting this big, this big sequence that mm-hmm. took three days to shoot, mm-hmm. you know, it took, it, it, it was a moment where I realized, oh, we're, we're doing the why. We're behind us. We're doing, we're shooting stuff <laughs> line instead of shooting us. Right? right. You know, like, so, um, Sometimes that happens where it's just a big production and um, you got to ask for what you need, you know, and (laughs) that's part of protecting the process too. FYI journey. That was the first scene in Lovecraft that brought tears to my eyes. Like that scene when you break into tears and you know, you're telling him to leave and everything. It was, and I was curious. I was like, you've played a, you have played a lot of roles that now we know we have labels for them, trauma, trauma, and triggers. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I was just curious, like out of all the roles, which was the one that you really took home and you had to like shake it off? Like, it's just, <sighs> You know, um, the more the more projects I take on, the more I want the, the ones that cost me something. Okay. You know, I want, I'm hungry for the, the roles that make me have to sacrifice, make me have to lay it all at the altar, you know? 
for sure, Lovecraft Country is highly up there <laughs> with um, having to uh, make the sacrifice. You know, it cost me so much mentally, physically, emotionally. And let me tell y'all, you've only seen five episodes. Yes, and tell the audience that. How many, how many more are in this season? There's five more. There's a total of 10 episodes. And where I know it goes, it's like, but that's the thing that is so incredible as an artist. You know, you're hung, you just are hungry for things that challenge you. And Misha Green, you sign on to a project with her, her ass is going to challenge you. You know, she's going to demand that you stretch. How were um, you able to tell the depth of what this was? Because, you know, the pilot alone... I wasn't familiar with the book. I wasn't familiar with the project at all. I knew that you were doing it. I knew Michael was doing it. So I was like, all right, I'm aboard. Let's go. And as with a lot of us, you know, thought, okay, this is uh, going to be a civil rights period piece. And then it just went to a whole nother place. Even though in the beginning it was there, but in my mind, I was already crafting like, okay, well, he's probably an author that dreams of these space things and whatever. And so mm-hmm. when I realized, oh, what I'm about to get into and what I'm trapped into, like, how is this conveyed? Like, are you reading all 10 episodes uh, in the script before you make the decision that I'm aboard? Like, when did you have your first, oh, shit, moment? Or did they kind of prep you ahead of time that this what this is what it was? Well, so Underground season two had just been canceled and um, they were trying to find a home for season three, but it didn't look promising. And I mean, I, I was getting a lot of offers and this is the first time in my career where this was happening, where, you know, um, there were a lot of offers we were fielding from some of the best showrunners and creators in the, in the game. And I, I kept kind of fielding it with Misha, you know, she was my, my like fifth invisible agent. I'd be like, you know what, what do you think about this one? No journey. It's trash. You can't do it. Okay. Well this one, I mean, it's this showrunner. He's the Emmy award. Nah, you know? And so then she sent me the pilot of Lovecraft and I was aware of her working on it. But when she she sent it to me, maybe like a week or so after she had finished it, and I mean instantly, just the way it opens, it made me miss her writing. It's so bold and audacious, right? And mm-hmm. I I was like, wait, what the hell is she doing now? And then when the character of Letty came on, um, when I tell you, I had this visceral reaction of like, oh fuck no, can't nobody else play Letty but me. <laughs> And what the hell is Misha doing? Why is she not talking to me about me being Letty? Does she not know that I am the only one that could play Letty? Wait, did you have to audition for this? I didn't have to audition. Okay. But five months passed from me reading the script, and I hadn't gotten an offer. You know, they hadn't offered it to anyone else. They were just kind of now building the world out and making certain um, hires. They brought on a director, et cetera. But still, she wasn't talking to me about it. And as close as we are, it just felt strange. And knowing Misha, she's the person where it's like, you can't campaign for a project with Misha. You know, she's only going to give a role to somebody if that's who she wants to cast. 
And so I um, was in Bad Robot. I was at Bad Robot and J.J. Abrams says to me, he's like, hey, did you read the Lovecraft Country script? And I was like, yeah, you know, it's incredible. And he's like, you should do it. And I'm like, yo, I think I should do it too. Misha hasn't mentioned it to me. You know, what the hell is she doing? And he, he just, you know, I start panicking. And he's like, you should do it. Very calmly, he says. I'm like, dude, you don't have to convince me that I need to do this. You know, and so Misha calls me a few weeks later and she just says, you know, we just hired this director, Yann Demange. He's dope. I want you to go meet him. Bye. <laughs> wow. So wait, <laughs> with with something of this uh, deep of an undertaking, with 10 episodes, is it the same director for all 10 episodes? No. Okay, so uh, how how, explain to me how that works because... It seems very consistent, and is it is it the director walking in as the fish out out of water, to the same cinematographer, to the same lighting director, to the same like is everyone else consistent, or is it a new crew every time a new episode shot? Well, for the ten episodes, the pilot was its own individual crew, right? So, again. Um, and Misha and the producers for the pilot built a crew that shot, we shot in Chicago. But for the season, really the consistency is provided by the showrunner, Misha Green, you know, um, mm. who, you know, she wrote most of the episodes. She directs one of, one of the episodes. But as a showrunner, it's her job to maintain that consistency. Also, the crew does stay, stay the entire time. So we had, we had two DPs who switched off, but still they maintain the same look and feel of the show, same prop master, you know, all the department heads stay the same, but in TV, we, yeah, we get a new director every week. Cause I always wondered how, how that works where, okay. If, if Marty Scorsese decides to direct an episode, obviously he's going to use Thelma Schumacher as his, mm-hmm. as his editor and use mm-hmm. his particular style of shooting. And, if episode six is, you know, Ernest Dickerson and he does his little tricks in the one camera right. thing and whatever, then that's inconsistent. Like, is it basically agreed upon that when directors come to do a series that they're coming just to bring the showrunner's vision to life as opposed to put their stamp on it or their trademark on I it? I think it depends show, show by show. You know, with this, for sure you know, and just watching the way Misha works, she wants the director to come in and bring something fresh and exciting and new. Um, and yet the show, the, the feel, the vibe, some of it's got to be maintained, you know? And then we as the actors, we know our characters. So you, you're not coming in and telling me who Letty Lewis is. Like, I know who she is. You can come in and tell me, well, let, how do we make this more truthful or how do we dig deeper, blah, blah, blah. But I know who she is, you know? Um, so I've noticed that can be a challenge for some directors in TV because it's different in film. Film, you know, um, as an auteur, they, they, it, it's shut and closed, you know? Like they're not really having to take on the vision of the showrunner. And some directors in TV excel in that. And some, I've seen them fall flat on their face because their ego so big that, you know, they don't really want to collaborate. You mean when movie directors come to TV land or when big names come to TV land or 
I mean, it doesn't even have to be big names. I've seen folks, um, I'm not going to lie, like even with, with Misha, I've seen, you know, uh, on Underground, I remember there was this one director, the entire cast, he, we, I won't name him, the entire cast hated this man on Underground. And he just, he was that like work for hire, legendary director who directed everything from, you know, all the... NBC, CBS type shows. You can't. All the you can name a show. Me, all the, yeah, right. yeah, yeah. He done it all, and this was just a, another gig for him. And so he didn't really care to make this heist. He didn't care to have like the nuance and the urgency. And so we ate him alive because you could tell it was just like he, he wasn't. He wasn't trying to collaborate. He wasn't. He wasn't really interested. It was a paycheck for him. Yo, what's up? This is Fonte, Fonsigolo from Team Supreme. Black representation in media is very important to me. I think it's important to have our stories told by people who look like us and who have shared in our common experiences. Some of my earliest influences were Donnie Simpson. Uh, I would also say Tom Joyner, Angela Stribling, uh, Sherry Carter. They were just people who told our stories with a lot of class and dignity and were big inspirations to me. The next generation of influential Black voices can be found on NPR's new collection, Black Stories, Black Truths. Black Stories, Black Truths is a celebration of Blackness from NPR. Each of NPR's Black voices are as distinct, varied, and nuanced as the Black experience itself. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collection, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and creating world-shifting things out of struggle. Every episode is a living account about what it means to be Black today, told from a unique Black perspective. From Bobby Schmurder to The Wire, Michelle Obama to Reparations, there's no limit to the range of Black stories, Black truths. Black perspectives haven't always been centered in the telling of America's story. Now, they are the story. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the Black experience. Hear a feed of episodes from across NPR's podcast, The Center Black Voices. It's NPR Noir. Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR wherever you get podcasts. All right, y'all. You know what season it is. Tis the season for spring breaking and planning our summer travel. And if you're like me, you're already in your Airbnb app trying to find which spot is right for you. Now, listen, while I'm looking to spend all this money, what I'm not doing is thinking about making money with Airbnb. See, you got to change your mind state. Make the money while you're spending the money. How, you say, Laia, do I make the money? Well, you host at your house. And I know what you're thinking. I mean, my whole house? Uh, well, no, you don't have to do your whole house. I mean, you could do a room or, you know, do the whole house. So make some money while you're spending some money this summer. I'm trying to tell you, your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. In the 1980s, Frank Farian was riding high as a successful German music producer, but he was bored. German pop was formulaic, dull, and oh so white. Frank had bigger dreams, American dreams. He wanted to create the kind of music that would rival larger-than-life artists like Michael Jackson or Run DMC. So he assembled a hip-hop duo, two once-in-a-lifetime talents who were charismatic, full of sex appeal, and phenomenal dancers. The only problem? One very important element was missing, but Frank knew just how to fix that. Wondery's new podcast, Blame It on the Fame, dives into one of pop music's biggest controversies. Millie Vanilli set the world on fire. But when their adoring fans learned about the infamous lip syncing, 
their downfall was swift and brutal. With exclusive interviews from frontman Fab Morvan and his producers Frank Varian and Ingrid Segui, this podcast takes a fresh look at the exploitation of two young Black artists. Follow Blame It on the Fame wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to Blame It on the Fame early and ad-free by joining Wondery+. Plus. Can I ask you, I'm just so curious what it's like working with Jonathan, who seems like he's about to be the next, like, just amazing, and Michael Keith Williams, because... I know. What? I know. I mean, Michael, did I say his, his middle name? Kenneth. 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 Yeah. We, we all know what you meant. Yes, I'm yeah, sorry. We know. Michael what, K. But, uh, tell me about the magic. What, what is that like? It's incredible. I mean, pinch myself sometimes, <laughs> truly. You know, like, again, we just trusted each other so much. We all had, like, these uh, rituals mm. um, that Courtney started on the pilot and courtney this and courtney yes excuse I mean, me no that uh, look the entire cast yes ingenue i mean ingenue yeah i mean everybody everybody woomy yeah, um, don't forget woomy yeah i mean everyone kills it but um yeah we had this this me jonathan and michael inherited the tradition that courtney started where we would give each other a fist bump before each take i mean like it was a religion um, the the approach was so sacred for us. You, I don't care where we were starting from. I could be entering on the other side of the field before that take was going to start. We had to meet up and fist bump <laughs> with each other. That or uh, it was, that was it your was jinx a, thing. It, if we didn't do it, we'd be like, "Yo, that takes up because we didn't we didn't uh, fist bump." Where was the fist bump? Uh, um, but no, I, I mean, working with them was just incredible because you're only as good as your partner, you know, when you can look into their eyes and you can see truth and you never know. I mean, we never knew what take, you know, what, what the next take was going to be like, because every take was fresh and exciting and, and present and honest, challenging each other. How far can we dig deeper? I mean, mm. there'd be moments me and Jonathan just on, 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 on the soundstage, just going at it, just rehearsing, you know, lines, going back and forth over and over you know um how how could you explain what the process is from the table read to we have the take because i've i don't know if i've ever seen a movie in which uh like i'm trying to parallel it to musicianship mm-hmm. are are the is the timing based at the the table read and is the table read like a four times over thing or is it just like whoever's in the scene we have an hour before we done let's go it's like when thing. you go into when you go into electric lady for like a year and just make grooves and stuff i wrote the entire and, voodoo album on the spot two years later you know Tariq comes in and puts his thing on and then that's the, it's like that yeah it's like is the it, latest is it though, i mean because I don't I look for other nuances that I don't think the average person looks for when mm. I'm watching. Mm-hmm. And I guess as a musicianship, I'm seeing you guys as instruments trying to figure out mm-hmm. the the yin and yang balance of of timing and mm. the pacing of a conversation. And you know, like for instance, if you watch Woody Allen films he's world famous for wanting his actors to talk on top of each other because mm-hmm. he's like, everyone talks on top of each other in New York city. So I want to, to make that real, but mm-hmm. can you walk us through like what from script till we got it? Like how, how much 
preparation is put in for the rehearsals? Uh, it, again, it varies project to project. I can speak about Lovecraft. I mean, with the pilot, we had we had very little rehearsal. Um, a lot of the prep was about diving into the inner struggle, the inner workings of the character, right? You know, um, but the table read, you know, a lot people approach the table read differently. Um, but this one, I remember they actually filmed the table read, which was a first for me because JJ was shooting Star Wars in London and couldn't make the table read. So they filmed it so he could watch it. But, you know, everybody, you know, some actors at the table reads, they just kind of phone it in and then some actors go full in. So honestly, the piece, like you said, it's very much so like a symphony and it's not really formed until you, until you get in it, you know, but every step along the way helps inform it. And so whether it's rehearsals or whether it's even costume designers and hairstylists and makeup artists, or, you know, every, everybody kind of, adds a level, a, a layer to, to the project um, that you don't, that you feel and you may not see it. And so when you talk about pacing and rhythm and stuff like that, you know, a lot of that's just informed on the day. It's informed through instinct. It's informed response. You know, I, I hear you, I respond. I listen, I respond. I, it's just like this conversation we're having, you know? Mm -hmm. I hear you, Journey. I was I was on the to uh, I was on the Tonight Show uh, recently, <laughs> and uh, I learned a lot about the acting How's process. How's your response, Steve? How'd it go? <laughs> Tell us about it. Oh God, I didn't. Shut up, Steve. Steve, <laughs> anyway. you know, I still I still have you saved in my phone as Steve. Where's my coffee? Damn. <laughs> that's what Damn, he said to you, that right? Sounds about right. Or. That just sounds yeah, like Steve. That's Steve, what Steve and Coffee are best friends with each other. Yes. Steve, where's my coffee? Yo, Journey, was it easier to do something like Lovecraft coming off of Birds of Prey since it's a little lighter? <laughs> um, Lovecraft is lighter. I mean, Lovecraft no, I'm saying Birds of, than Birds of Prey. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm saying is since, I meant to say since Birds of Prey was so light, is it easier to go into Lovecraft instead of coming from heavy to heavy? There's nothing, there's no... Nothing easy about any of it. I mean, oh, man. E not easy, easy in the, the yeah, in your spirit and your you know because you just. You know. I mean, look, I don't seek ease. Ease is the okay. enemy of progress. Okay? Right. Well, okay, I don't need ease. Uh oh, right, okay. Right. Well, let's go back to the goddamn beginning. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, there. Uh <laughs> no, I mean, look, Birds of Prey was definitely different. Because, um, look, I had to train for five months to That's right. be That's a martial artist, you yeah. know. Um, so it's it's it, it definitely required different muscles than um, Lovecraft Country. Um, and like the whole comic book world is its own beast. And and I, I tried to approach that with the same amount of reverence that I would approach the text of Lovecraft, you know. But the approach is each project is going to require different things. You know, um, I shot the pilot for Lovecraft, then went and trained for Birds of Prey, shot Birds of Prey, and then went back and shot, you know, the remaining season of Lovecraft. It's funny because Misha afterwards was like, so these arms, they got to go. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> these black canary arms you got, like... Uh, <laughs> I gotta say, no. your character is really important. Her, I mean... You look great. I don't know the politically correct way to say this with a bunch of fellas okay. in the room. You're a woman. But on Lovecraft. We'll close our ears. 
the the tailor, the way things are fitting you. I just have never seen your, it, it looks amazing, Jerry. Thank you. Thank mm-hmm. you. Thank mm-hmm. you. We worked hard at that. You know, the, the tailoring and costumes and things, the darts, you know. Um, ah, the darts. Look, it's true. <laughs> we looked at, we looked at thousands of images of uh, costumes from this time, from this era. And the, just the integrity that they had in, in the clothing. I mean, look, you know, I'm in t-shirt and in sweats right now. <laughs> like by nature, I'm not letty, you know, um, mm. but for the, to get the era right and to do it justice. Um, yeah. The tailoring is a big part. Yeah. I could tell. It really was. Amazing. All right. Let's, let's get the, 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 the Denise Fraser questions out the way. Cause so Bill um, my uh, What's your favorite curse word? <laughs> <laughs> what's the dumbest question you were asked today? Ooh, okay, that's just, a good one. Just, just so that just so that we can uh, That was a pretty good one. It was so a good one. You you indeed have history. Yeah, it's it's known that you've been acting from the womb. Um <laughs> in the mm-hmm. very beginning though, it just hit me that I remember like I remember your face everywhere, like you there's a gazillion things that you've done as a youngster in which I remember your face. I mean, you, you mm-hmm. know, you, I'm sure you've done Martin before you've done, like I've remembered certain things. Was there ever talk about developing you, your own show? Like how did you avoid the, well, I guess what I would call the Disney trap. Cause I think Disney was handing out shows like hotcakes between the mid nineties and 2005, like you could have easily been in that. You could have been that so ravenized, you know what I mean? Right. Right. Or that sort of thing. How did you, uh, what's crazy is Disney has built some careers. Let's be clear. You know, Mm -hmm. I mean, there's a lot of actors and, uh, entertainers. Mm -hmm. I, I've, I respect that have come from Disney. And so, but my mother, my mom was, I say this with um, as much respect as I can, uh, you know, about mm-hmm. my mother. But she was black a kids always say this, knowing that the belt <laughs> is always around the corner. It's always the paddle, man. Like, you know. So how snobby was she, Journey? How snobby was she? She, you know, I was offered to do like the my own Disney show several times and stuff like that. She just wouldn't let me do it. She wouldn't let me do it. My agent at the time. Um, Thought she was crazy because hmm. I could have made so much money and we were broke, y'all. Like growing up, we were so poor at moments. How poor like was he? my brother Jake and I just <laughs> were talking about how you remember that time when we had like nothing but like a wilted carrot and so, a, an apple in the refrigerator. Like <laughs> we were. It's like eighty, was, y'all. <laughs> there is seven hundred <laughs> of us, and you know. <laughs> Everybody gets a um, carrot stick. Everybody gets some lentil beans. I mean, some <laughs> lentil and some beans and rice. Tell us about uh, the hard times, Journey. You earned you it. No, I mean, we, my family growing up, my mom didn't, she really didn't care about money. And so, um, especially after my parents divorced, we really struggled, you know. Um, and there were moments where it was just like, oh, and my mom wouldn't let, she wouldn't let me do it. Um, there were so many things, but my mother's very proud of the fact that she would, she would say all the time, I can go and sell pussy on the corner. Mm. I don't need to make money. You know, I don't need to 
<laughs> my kids, you know, right. um, I can make money if I really need to. And she never, she never, she never did it. Just so y'all know. But um, <laughs> her point was that. <laughs> FY, FYI, guys. <laughs> that was an embellishment. <laughs> yes. Her, her point was that our art was not to be um, bought and sold by the highest bidder, you know, um, and she just had this level of integrity. But she was also the woman that, you know, was making me read. Catherine Hepburn's bi- autobiography when I was wow. 13. So you then know. how did you end up in Full House then? Well, I guess what made her convince her to do Full House? Full House? I mean, well, that was before I was offered any sort of Disney show or anything okay. like that. But, you know, that was, I don't know. You got to ask her. Dang. It, was, it was like an audition that the character, the character was written as a little white girl. And oh. um, the casting director called my agent and said, you know, whether or not I'd be willing to, my mom would let me come in or something like that. I, I, I'm not entirely sure, y'all. I was four. I know. I understand. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, was just, I, just like, I need to talk to your mom. I just, but, I just need to talk to your mom. But also, I thought, weren't there rules that uh, as far as acting hours, like most of those actors that I know back then were, like I know the Sprouse as well, Cole and Dylan, like usually they come in pairs. Even Michelle Tanner's yeah. one person played by yeah. Mary Kate. And Ashley. Why yeah, were <laughs> you offered the role and not using a body double or you're a sibling? Joey Sweden they had no body doubled. I mean, again, uh, y'all are asking me. She don't remember. She said she was four. Yeah, she was so four. Eve. Wait, do we start at Eve's Bayou? Do you remember that? I figured, well, wait, I figured you would ask in time. No, here, I remember, I do remember doing Full House. I remember the feeling of the live studio audience and and in between takes, they would play music and I would like dance for the audience and they would go crazy. And I, so I remember, I remember the feeling. Do you feeling. remember Little Richard was your grandfather? I remember what? Little Richard was my that? uncle. Little Richard was my uncle. And oh, it was your the uncle. coolest okay. thing in my household because my mom and dad were like big music heads. It was the coolest thing that, I was working with him and, you know, so I remember things like that, the power of, of you know, the power you could have over an audience to in, to get a reaction out of them, the feeling of them laughing at something you would do, the best, you know, um, it was a little like theater in a, in a sense, you know, for my four or five, six year old self. Um, so what, what do you consider your first real, like, get into it? Would, would that be Eve's bio? I would consider it used by you that. I mean, before that, Jack was. Like, Fuck, you were I, in Jack. I, I do remember being at Francis Ford Coppola's um, wow. ranch, his his vineyard. And I mean, Robin Williams teaching me how to improv, you know. Oh, um, my God. Because those scenes that we did together, those were all improv. That's all he did. You know, he's the king of that. Um, and right. he just would, he kept telling me about just. Don't think, you know, just say the first thing that comes off the top of your head. What do you notice about me? Like he would do all these exercises with me. Um, but Eve's Bayou for sure was the first time that I felt like, oh, I want to do this. Prior to that, it was it was like, kid, you know, how kids play baseball for Little League or something like that. You know, it was a hobby. It wasn't a passion. And then with Eve's Bayou, it's interesting. I learned, I just learned a deeper appreciation for the craft of it, you know. At the time, um, at 
Well, you were, what, 10, 11 for Eve's bio? We started three days after I turned 10. Okay. So, I mean, at that time, were you still in your formative years like, okay, well, I'm doing this now, but I really want to be like, what did you want to be when you were older as a grown? Like, did you want to be an actress or was it? I mean, throughout my like adolescence, it kind of, I loved doing it. Eve's Bayou, like I said, was the first time that I fell in love with it. I got that high, that stimulation that you get from losing yourself in a character. I started understanding from from Sam and Casey, you know, different tricks and things that you do in approaching the craft. But I have to say, even throughout like my teenage years and my adolescence, there were moments that I thought, uh, I want to quit. I don't want to do this because the industry was just and is it can suck the life out of you. You know, um, it can make you if you don't let it, it can it can bring out the worst qualities in yourself and in other people. And um, I became a little jaded, not gonna lie. Um, and I thought probably around the time I was like 19 or 20, I thought, oh, I'm gonna go and work in, in like fil- the philanthropic world um, or be an accountant because I loved math. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and then I went on a trip with, you know, I was, you know, Amir, I was doing like working with artists from New South Africa. I had you come. Yeah, you were an activist at the age of three. We didn't get to that part of your life. Yeah. And so my trip to South Africa with artists from New South Africa, the delegation of artists like with Sam, Sam Jackson and his wife, Latanya, and Deborah Santana, Carlos Santana, Alfred Woodard, and a bunch of other artists paid for me to come with them to South Africa. And that trip changed my life. And, um, when I was over there, I just watched how powerful art can be, you know, that we were able to build wells and we were able to, I just watched the impact that these artists and their work had across seas, you know, overseas and just felt kind of convicted in, in the sense like, well, if I have a gift, if I have been given this gift, how dare I not use it? Because I could actually have a greater impact on people if I use it. In my head, you're activist first and then you act on the side. <laughs> That's because I'm I you know me from the like, yo, we're gonna stop for Obama. We gonna phone bank and knock on doors and Yeah, I I will and say you roll that, with me. Like you you always you always I, I will say that yeah Jern before I knew Journey, I mean I thought political activism and that sort of work was, you know, was just for performative hotep characters mm. Damn, and, and, and Neil Young and Sting for, you know, for Walden Woods. No, I mean, you know, at the time it was just like, besides voting. Come from the message of the music town, clean up the ghetto town. Yeah, yo, but no one spoke my language and, you know, somehow being in a small household, I was like, oh, they've been doing this shit since they was two. Like, your first protest was when L.A. was burning, right? Yeah, my that's was the like first four. protest I remember. Yeah, I was like five <laughs> um, in the 1992 uprising. That I, I clearly remember my mom 
having us on the street corner, we had all made signs about um, Rodney King. It was right after the the cops who viciously beat him were acquitted. Right. And there were like all the uprisings happening and she had us right out there, you know. Wow. But my mother, you know, my mother and my father met uh, in the movement working with Angela Davis in Oakland, you know. Hey, your so, father was working with Angela Davis. That's dope. Wow. My mother and my father. And her father. I know. But yeah. I was just thinking that's dope. Amir, how um, did you and Journey meet? Uh, you mean after my, I my guess. MySpace. <laughs> MySpace. Um, Post MySpace. I think, we, I think we first met at the Roots uh, mm-hmm. jam session. You for, asked I, me to host it. I did. Was was this the Chappelle one or the year before? The LA, the LA one. It was. It was the. It was the LA one. It was like the second year y'all had done it. I think. I, yeah, I was there. Uh, me I'm too. Not, you. I. I didn't. They didn't let me in, but I was there. <laughs> yeah, them lines. You just had to get to the Roots Jam at like when the doors open. It wasn't. At, I want to. I want to Grammy that night, and then I couldn't get into the fucking party. No, no, <laughs> no, no. It's been a lot. This is way before uh in the heights. This was this was uh like 2005, yeah. I think. Okay. Yeah. 2005, Hi, hey, Journey, how are you maneuvering now? I, I know you guys are a big activist family, so uh, man, how are you maneuvering in the midst of uh the clusterfuck of 2020? <laughs> and uh how are you maneuvering towards the election when it comes to your activism? Oh, I mean, it's like you got to attack it from so many ways. You know, for one, this clusterfuck of 2020. I, I don't, I mean, I don't understand it, you know. Um, now that you're a mother, uh, is it harder for you to to pound the pavement more? You know, what's interesting, so COVID, it was quite sobering because there was a point in which we were quarantined and curfewed. Um, mm-hmm. And it was, it was, I, when I tell you it brought a rage out inside of me, um, I hadn't been cur- curfewed since 1992 with the uprising then, you know, mm. here in LA with my family. And so now to be a mom in the same city and curfewed again, you know, um, the first time I stepped outside the house after, you know, during this whole quarantine process was to go to a meeting in a church basement for BLM. And Dr. Melina Abdullah and um, Janae of the Future and, and Kendrick and, you know, all of the folks who are doing such incredible work on the ground were there. And honestly, it was a selfish thing for me to go because I, I needed to feel that I could do something with this rage. I needed to channel it in some way. And even if it was just showing up and I don't really know what I'm contributing, but I'm gonna show up, right? You know. Um, that's actually why I'm asking you because I feel the same way, like I need to do something. So I'm just yeah, trying to get ideas. And, and, and so I find myself reaching out to like Patrice or, or folks just being like, all right, where are we going now? Because I just need to, you know, every Wednesday here in LA, um, BLM organizes in front of Jackie Lacey's office just Good. to tell her she's got to go. Yeah, that woman has got to go, right? Mm-hmm. And so yes, she does. I, I, one of the 
the times when I went, I, I, I didn't do anything. I just witnessed. And there were so many families who were there and got up and spoke, you know, families of lost ones, you know, uh, families of, of folks who have been taken from us by the hands of uh, the LAPD or um, some sort of police force, right? And just to bear witness, you know, just to give someone a hug, you know, for me, it was honestly food for my soul to be there. And anytime I've gone to any of the protests or something like that, I feel like I'm being fed by being a part of it, you know? Um, but what we're, most of the stuff that we're able to do now is through Zoom or on email, organizing letters that we're trying to write, putting pressure on the police unions or, you know, whatever approach we take, um, a lot of it, it, it's from a distance that the organizing is happening. But navigating it as a mom, um, Amir, you know, it's different because, for instance, my mother would have had me out there, right? And right. yeah, if it wasn't if it wasn't for COVID, I'd have my son at these protests with me. You know, I've gone with like my brothers and stuff, but I haven't taken Hunter just because it's freaking COVID, and it just felt like okay, I just. I'll put myself at risk, but I'm gonna keep him here, you know. But right. I, 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 yeah, man, I don't, I don't know. It's, it's definitely navigating everything in life right now is extra challenging. Being a mom, I'm not gonna lie. Co-parenting is a whole new thing that wasn't mm. part of the plan. Um, you have school, dirty. Yeah, that's right. I know, I know. Oh, that's right. You wanna, you wanna go down co-parenting? Oh, that's <laughs> right. All day, yo. <laughs> I could go deep on right. co-parenting. Fuck. Amir, oh, shut man. up. You don't know shit. Motherfucker, you know how many people Amir. I take care of? And you ain't a co-parent. Why you, you always ain't, You that? ain't a co-parent of nothing. Dude, because... <laughs> you co-parent Steve. <laughs> <laughs> he was on the Tonight Show, guys. That was a good... <laughs> Steve from the uh, Tonight Show? No, great. Co-parenting <laughs> in times of COVID, and you don't know what the fuck to, like, remote learn your kid or not remote learn your kid or send your kid to the thing. It's just kid school journey, though. It's the... Yours, well, I mean, Hunter's three. Shit, and you have to... Wait, wait Amir, how old is he now? Amir, you're supposed to be home, home learning me? Homeschooling you? What, 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 <laughs> yeah. Journey, have Come you on, become man. a homeschool teacher like I'm myself? Like, I'm supposed to be learning you. That's what oh, we say. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> supposed to be learning. <laughs> but yeah, your kid's I mean, three? He's three, but uh, he's you got so time. bright. Yeah, he's so bright, but he you is good. learning how to read. He's learning early mathematics. And I mean, he's so... he's. I, I think he's going to be quite advanced. So, does he know um, what a Sesame Street is? Absolutely. For the longest okay. time, he loves. Just say that, know, Bill, Bill. Bill, right here is the god of Sesame Street. All right, Bill. And the <laughs> god of comedy and good looks <laughs> and <right>. homeschooling. <laughs> right now, uh, the god of Sesame Street's getting drunk. Right now, that too. Some free. <laughs> it's Thursday. Yeah. Thursday Rage Day. You know. Uh, Today's Thursday. <laughs> yeah. Right. Man, another fallout of COVID. No idea what day it is. No idea. Yeah, how to I definitely know. Day it no is. idea. Hey, Not at hey, all. hey, Journey. I have a yeah. story that's I don't know if it's a similar story, but it's some kind of segue from your story when you were talking about being both quarantined and under a curfew. Um, mm-hmm. We had the same thing here in New York. They were at one point they were happening simultaneously, and I was just inside, you know, thinking. How strange! And I was looking it up. Uh, like, when was the last time New York City had a had a curfew? And it mm. was like I, I forget. It was in the 1930s or something like that. But wow. um, I was up here 
in my apartment thinking, no, oh, it's so strange, quarantined and curfewed at the same time, you know. And I hear the mother loving ice cream man coming down the street. <laughs> the, the ice the cream truck. The new yes. remix or the oh, old one? I heard an ice cream truck coming down the street. You don't know the, the new street. one. You know. I was like, this is just bizarro world it's right now. So like, am I supposed to go running outside? Go get an ice cream. It's <laughs> but, so bizarre. It's he is bizarre not wearing a shoe. I swear. And and then like the <laughs> the the mayor here like called the national guard and it was just like come on. I mean, it was literally reminiscent of the 1992 situation. And it it's really like, was. Come on, people. What are you doing? Or, they were except this time bullets. they went to Beverly Hills. I mean, but it just was like, not enough. I had friends who were injured by the rubber bullets. Like Kendrick was, you know, for that's right. Kendrick was hurt by the bullets. He was, yeah. And I know several people actually, you know, the tear gas. It was just ridiculous to me. And one of the things, though, that uh, Dr. Molina was talking about is really the success of this movement is going to depend on our imagination. You know, how big can we dream? And I think that's such a powerful way of. framing the discussion around this because people want to talk about like, oh, defund the police. Well, no one's going to be there to show up when you actually need it. And it's like, no. Can you dream about a reality that has never existed before? Right. Can you dream about a world in which you do not call the National Guard on your own people? Can you dream about a world in which this one size fits all? Actually, you realize, no, people are different sizes. So mm-hmm. you, you can't do a one size fits all. And dream of a world where people know the history of this country for real, because that's a whole right. other thing. And knowing policing, I know you get frustrated with that too, because all of a sudden people have woken up and they're like, "Wait, this happened? That happened? The history of the police is this? They did originally were established right, for this? Right, you know what right, I mean? Right. Like, like well, not not to be the party poop. No. Have you heard about the days of development? Trump wants to. Uh, well, Which I don't ones? Know when this, yeah, it was know a lot. We'll go on air, but. Uh, Trump wants to enforce a mandatory, what he what he's calling, a patriotic oh, education. Oh, uh, in God. other words, a forced, a forced lesson on patriotic history in America. What is that? Kind of, kind of a a reversal to the what was printed, uh, what was in the New York Times, how they, you know, some schools now are starting to put in their curriculum about you know the the truth about slavery in America that they haven't done before. Oh my god. Right. Like project attacking, 18 attacking the 1619 project. Yeah, I heard about that. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, kind of his version of that, but you know, of course we but he Everyone's wants to Everyone's registered, make it right? We all. You were yes, doing I am. mandatory. Right, Amir. You want to know what's you know what's hilarious? Not, You're not oh, registered this is to not, vote. This is not <laughs> hilarious at all. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of a man oh, within a, without an island here. One of the things that's happening that is not getting out there in the news is the fact that they're also switching without warning like new new units like where I used to vote has has suddenly changed. Oh, your polling now, location. Okay. Right. My my polling location has changed and now that it's technically like over the city limits or whatever, I got to start all over again. So yeah, I, I just found that out. Like Stacey a week. Abrams. I kind of found that out a week and a half ago that I have to re-register to vote. Like there's, and I'm certain that there's a lot of people in that position 
you know, I, I, in any other normal circumstance, I would have just assumed that, yeah, I'm registered and I go to my normal place that I've been going to for the last 30 mm-hmm. years. Right. And something told me, let, me, check. let me, let me make sure that they didn't pull a flim. F- Yo, they pulled a flim. Flam- they pulled it. They did it. Especially you know? in your state. Cause you voting in a red state, correct? No, I'm, I'm a Pennsylvanian. Yeah, which, that's a red which state. Which is a red state. Yeah. Right. But here's the thing, though. It's a very like, big state. Now, very where I'm currently about to get a house, you know, it, if if I if I claim Pennsylvania, then I have to live the life of two people and pay taxes. See, that's the weird part when you and, have to figure out which, what you want to do as a voter. I don't. I, I mean, I, I moved to California now, so it's, it's weird because it's such a blue state. But I, I kind of miss not living in Pennsylvania, so my boy, I feel like my voice are would matter. Are you a Californian now? Or are you still? Yeah, for, I'm not Californian. Uh, yeah, I so. Yeah. There, I feel like there's weird. a lot of confusion out there. Mass confusion. Yeah, I want yeah. everyone to check Purpose. just just to make sure Purposely. because I'm I'm telling you that. Say that even again, when I Amir. Complain like I've got no letters Wait. saying that What's my thing's called? not uh, good anymore. It's called redistrict redistricting or something like that. Well, they're doing a yeah. bunch of stuff, that's y'all. One, one I, of the things. We okay. So, vote save. us slash Obama is one place you can go. Yeah. And Barack Obama had posted this, so I trust. It. Yes, I saw this uh, yesterday. I'm reposting it. You said dot us. Um, okay. Vote save. us slash Obama. You can go there to re- see if you're registered and find out about early voting. We all got like MySpace. Sure Oh, save the U.S. slash Obama, Obama, MySpace, Tom. Right, exactly. (laughs) I don't know how my what what, what journey said though um, rings true. A lot of people don't know that um, where I'm formerly from, Camden, New or Philadelphia, right across the water in Camden, New Jersey. They've already started the process. They're seventy percent of sort of starting from scratch, not necessarily defunding the police, but starting just washing it over and starting anew. And the results are astounding, you know, because one thing is that most police officers are not from the neighborhoods. Yeah. Right. That they watch. So it's like, that was in the BLM manifesto that they, that was one of the things I wish they would put it back out. again. So they, they followed that like Camden right now is actually like probably leading the charge and and very exemplary of what should be happening like you have officers that are walking the beat more than they are in their cars so it's like you have to be of the people right, you have to be right. from the area and they know everyone by name not to mention you know the the thing is is like it's it's it's, it's like also being a in the medical profession like there's a certain amount of tests and and a process that you have to go through. Like if you were a doctor, you would have to go through these things that most police officers never have to go through. Right. And so this is happening right now in Camden, New Jersey and like crime, like 2006 Camden mm. was mm. what? Number three was, was three or two, like the most violent city in America. Hell yeah. They were averaging Camden, New Jersey. Yeah. Cam yeah. Gun. Yes. Yeah, it's oh. nice. I used to go visit people in prison over there. Yeah, wow. it was it was bad. I mean, the number was so bad. That's why Philadelphia kind of it bled over into Philadelphia, like Philly's most violent 
years between 2006 and 2009 mm-hmm. as a result of what was happening in Canada. It's, it's fallen down like 70% now. So it's wild, you know, where, where the funding and where the money goes, you know, here in LA, the LAUSD, the school district has their own police force. I mean, okay. it's wild to me that you could spend, they spend, I think roughly $74 million just having a police presence in schools with children. I mean, do you uh, imagine if you funneled that money, if you channeled that money into community-led initiatives, right? Mm-hmm. Princeton, give $74 million to those, those children's parents and have them have a presence in their children's high school. I mean, like, pay, pay, yeah. pay, pay old daddy or mama who, you know, is out working three, four jobs and barely able to see their children, pay them to be in the schools. Yeah. You know, why you gotta have an actual police presence? You're just funneling these children in, right into prison, you know? But it's priorities. It's, it's priorities. Plan. And well, yeah, that is the plan, That's unfortunately. Yeah. Ooh, 2021, yeah. what is it gonna be? Mm. Wow, Child. are you still giving speeches, Journey? Uh, yeah, so uh, <laughs> as we were saying earlier, you know, when, I was like, all right, I'll do this. Like, it, Journey was like, okay, you're you're pounding the pavement with us. Like, I, yeah. didn't, I didn't even have a say in the matter. Nope. I think it was like, <laughs> or you don't get an invite to Thanksgiving or some shit like that. So I was Whatever. Like, I'll do this. And so in my mind, I'm just thinking like, okay, well, I'll drive a van. I'll, I'll do something. She's like, no, you're going to give speeches. I'm like, Oh. <laughs> You love a good public appearance, Amira. <laughs> love it. Public speaking, look public at, appearances. Look at Elias' face right now. Yes, exactly. Everything, yes. Oh. I'm like, he can't talk, but sometimes, you know. Not no, so many Amir commencement addresses. Amir was out doing everything. He was, we were literally knocking on, um, was it Philly or somewhere in Ohio? I don't remember where no, we were, dude, We were in... All right, y'all. You know what season it is. Tis the season for spring breaking and planning our summer travel. And if you're like me, you're already in your Airbnb app trying to find which spot is right for you. Now, listen, while I'm looking to spend all this money, what I'm not doing is thinking about making money with Airbnb. See, you got to change your mind state. Make the money while you're spending the money. How, you say, Laia, do I make the money? Well, you host at your house. And I know what you're thinking. I mean, my whole house? Uh, Well, no, you don't have to do your whole house. I mean, you could do a room or, you know, do the whole house. So make some money while you're spending some money this summer. I'm trying to tell you, your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. In the 1980s, Frank Farian was riding high as a successful German music producer, but he was bored. German pop was formulaic, dull, and oh so white. Frank had bigger dreams, American dreams. He wanted to create the kind of music that would rival larger-than-life artists like Michael Jackson or Run DMC. So he assembled a hip-hop duo, two once-in-a-lifetime talents who were charismatic, full of sex appeal, and phenomenal dancers. The only problem? One very important element was missing, but Frank knew just how to fix that. Wondery's new podcast, Blame It on the Fame, dives into one of pop music's biggest controversies. Millie Vanilli set the world on fire, but when their adoring fans learned about the infamous lip syncing, 
their downfall was swift and brutal. With exclusive interviews from frontman Fab Morvan and his producers Frank Varian and Ingrid Segui, this podcast takes a fresh look at the exploitation of two young Black artists. Follow Blame It on the Fame wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to Blame It on the Fame early and ad-free by joining Wondery Plus. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Jesus Christ, are we about to, are, okay, Journey, are we going to tell the story? Oh, that, what story? Are you talking is about the Marina story? Oh, you oh, know the story. The answer is absolutely yes. You yep. know the story. Tell it. Oh, oh. Journey said no, huh? I didn't say no. I mean, okay, say no. okay, then go ahead, tell it. I'll tell it. Here's what happened. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, we were, you're talking about the Marina Del Rey one? Yeah. So often what we were doing is, um, we would phone bank, you know, this, he's talking about an 08, like really when we started heavily together. Was County, though. Getting Ooh, Orange other. County. No, no, no. It was Marina Del Rey. Oh, okay. I mean, okay. We were leaving a... Some place um, where white people were. That's all I remember. Marina Del Rey. Could be both um, then. Yeah. Um, we were leaving a grassroots organizing meeting for Obama in 08. Um, and it was, Super Tuesday. I think it was during the primaries. He hadn't even won yet. I think we, it was Super at, Tuesday. Yes, we were depressed. And we were depressed because he lost Calvin. Yes! He lost California to Hillary. We were so depressed. And yeah. so... He was driving his Mini Coupe. He would ever, whenever Amir would come to LA, he would Kia rent Soul. a Mini Coupe. Yeah, at, 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 that was you, after you the Mini tell, Coupe. Listen, you could you could tell like who's known me like based on the car I was driving during Starts that period. Starts with the Scion, and it just goes from there. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> the, you the remember the Scion? Right? Yeah, I forgot the Scion. <laughs> we were depressed. Right. Then we then we go see like there will be blood or something like it was something depressing. I mean, just something. I don't remember. I don't remember, but. We yeah. got pulled over. Oh, that's that's oh, that's, fuck. that's I've heard that's, this story. That's lightly putting it. Yeah, I forgot. Go ahead, I smoke. We, I mean, pretty much we had. It was almost like that scene. I think of traffic. traffic. Remember that scene? Of traffic. It was. It was. Remember? Oh, what, yeah. It was. It was traffic for you. It was more like oh, boys not, in the hood for me. Not traffic. <laughs> was it? Tra- I'm traffic. Don Cheat. I'm trying to think. It was so many stories in traffic. I'm was like, fuck. Which was one? It crash. It was a crash. 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 Was crash. Yeah, but they're yeah. both like the same kind of movie. They are yeah. a lot of stories. Yeah. I always confuse them. Anywho, we get pulled over, and I pull out my camera, and I'm like starting to. Build, and it's not you know? like it's a phone camera. It's like it's the, a the massive. <laughs> it's a massive like zoom quarter. You have to hit the red button <laughs> like a ghetto boom box. Like yeah, <laughs> one of those big motherfuckers. So the cop walks up to the car, and gen- and then Journey has the record. The VHS. On. Yeah, yeah. I, mere- I thought it was dead. Amir is like, Jern, like, will you put that damn thing away? This, you ain't Ella Baker right now, okay? Like, this ain't the time to be Ella Baker. Put it away, because it's massive. Also, Aww, you know, black man like, fear. And so they... they. She was ready to start the revolution in I the car. I was ready to televise it. And, you know, they, they ask Amir to get out of the car. Don't tell him why. Um, yeah. Then they ask me to get out of the car. Uh-oh. Um, they start... Patting him down, they walk him to the back of the cop car and handcuff him, put him in the back of the car. 
they pat me down, search me in ways that I would yeah. say was incredibly violating. Um, they knew. They, they, yeah. they, it, yeah, I mean, the difference between now and then is that, of course, with the, the technology with cell phones, you don't know if you're being recorded or not. But that was definitely, I mean, there's definitely a, you know, a moment in time where they were just reckless because they knew that nobody's ever going to see this or believe this or get away with this. Even when they were asking me questions, like, yeah, what were they saying? Like what what happened? So keep, we keep going. The, the, the thing is, is that I noticed, you know, it's, it's, it's like the price. It's like the, it's like being on the prices. Right. And it's like when you're home, you know, that, you know, that bottle Windex is whatever, six ninety nine or whatever. Like when you're home, you know, you know, all the answers on jeopardy, but when you're there, and you see the look in their eyes. I I was just like, I'm gonna die tonight. Like this is mm-hmm. this is the, it's the most helpless, emasculating feelings ever. And you know, mm-hmm. he's talking about where's your register. Uh, I, I forgot what question he asked, and I said, well, you know, my I said, you know, my assistant at the office. And oh god, he looked at me like office, like. It's like you can't be too smart or else you're um yeah. assassin mm-hmm. or that sort of thing. And mm-hmm. your your mind is just blank because they know you don't know your rights. Of course, you know, knowing what I've seen now, like we shouldn't have gotten out the car. Yeah, how do you even put handcuffs on you well, for what? Like I don't Well, they didn't give us any explanation. They then handcuffed me and put me in the back with the mirror and we sat there. It felt like an eternity sitting in the back of that car together. We like neither one of us knew what to say. We just sat there in silence, you know. Arms in back or in front? In back. Oh my God. See, that's that's what you're talking about. Yeah. And then they came back. They they had like you know, looked through everything in his car and my purse and and just kind of like handed him back his driver's license and said, Okay, you can go. The weirdest shit was they wanted to look in the trunk. And Journey and I had stopped by um, Borders because Dawn, my manager, had just moved to L.A. And I was like, "Okay, I'm gonna get her. I'm gonna get her yeah. a deluxe. Cra- I'm gonna get her a deluxe Scrabble game." In my mind, I was like, "He's gonna open this trunk and see all these Scrabbles and psychology books in the in the back, and he's gonna say, there's no way.'" That this car belongs to these two. Oh. And the, his thing was that, and I never verified it. I think we did ask, like, why did you pull us over? Mm-hmm. Rich, had, Rich was calling me on the phone. Here's the weird shit. Rich was calling me on the phone about Prince's table at the jam session. And me, quote, being a good citizen, I was like, Okay, let me pull the car over so I can take this phone call, you know, or I could have just picked up the car, you know, call while I was driving, but I didn't. And we happened to be in front of a a, a, a Mini Coop dealership, I guess. Oh, we that, Yeah, I mean, he said some shit about, you know. He said he said um, something as if the lights, the plates didn't match the rental car. Um, uh, uh, right contract and we were like 
but how'd you know to pull us over to check to see if the plates match the rental car right. contract? Like you didn't have the contract yeah. right. you, when you decided so. to pull us over to know if they didn't match. And and it 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 just was pretty much they let us go without a ticket, without a warning, without anything, because there was nothing that Amir had actually done wrong. It was just he, he was right. driving while black in a mini coupe with a big fro. Right. And and yeah. we just felt honestly, we just when we drove away, it it's night still ruined. Night ruined. Night ruined. Right. We just ruined. in silence Beat and ruined. all Amir Amir, you kept you kept And I want a Grammy that week. That's a weird thing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even consider like even to look at that. I think that's when I started just putting my shit in, in the, the bathroom. bathroom. <laughs> like I honestly if did I you if win you a Grammy that week? Was it that week? The following yeah. Sunday I did. That was two thousand eight, right? Yeah. Yeah. So did, yeah. I. And so, oh, so did you, Bill. I'm gonna so, say it again. That's nice. Oh damn. That was two okay. You're right, Bill. You're, I did not get pulled over. I did win a Grammy. Thank you. Mm, uh, mm, uh, anyway, so that's especially so fucked up. No, I'm I still want to talk yeah, about I was it. Like, I'm gonna I'm not that up. I was just I was gonna let that just because I know he know Ooh, better. He was gonna come back. Okay. No, no, no! I, 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 the mini coupe. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm making a joke. I shouldn't, but I'm so okay. fucked up by all this. I don't know, know what to say. I know. It's, it's yeah, uncomfortable. I, I re- this is the one story I rarely share in public because it's just you know. And then you just, said, a, just to process, just to process it. But it was that word you kept using. You kept saying, "Jern, I just feel so emasculated." Yeah, for you to say yeah. that. Also, I, the idea of the two of you in the back of a cop car not speaking to each other. Is is a is the quietest quiet I think I've ever heard of quiet. Like you're the most talkative people I've met in a long time. I feel like you would have a lot to say in this particular crazy fucked up moment. Right. But the fact that you were quiet is even more uh, intense than. Well, than you're scared. We, we live in such a machismo society where Absolutely. like the whole, men I mean, don't let other men overpower them in anything, in intellect, cool. physically, or those things. But it's almost like this unspoken thing. Absolutely. That citizens know that any moment a cop can end your life within the bounds of the quote unquote law. And for you, Amir, has been and double because you had do about it. and you had journey with you. So as a man, well, that's a even at, double. That's what I was gonna say. It, yeah. it, it's it it's it it's deep. It it goes back to the slave days of like, you know, the emasculation of the black man of like, okay, we're gonna do this in front of you and in front you of ain't gonna woman. say nothing. In front of this what? woman. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And mm-hmm. guess what? Guess what you can't do? You can't stop us, right? And so that's what we both could feel as we were driving away. And he kept being like, Jern, I'm so sorry. And I kept being like, what could you have done? There was nothing you could have done. Like you, we made it out alive. That's better than a lot of people in this situation can say. Like and and that's a shitty that's a shitty reality to have to settle for. It's like, oh well, at least we made it out alive. We alive. But we did, y'all. We made it out alive, you know. Um, yeah. that's the shitty thing of driving while black, and the shitty thing of you know walking by black while black and walking by playing while black, black and black. female <laughs> black. or black and male, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Have you had any situation like that ever or since? Oh God, yeah. Unfortunately, you've had more. Yeah, you know, I've shot so much in the South too, you know. So I've had several experiences. I mean, I remember shooting Great Debaters. Was that after or before? I can't remember. I think that was before. But I remember we did the lynching scene, and I was driving a set in the van, and over the radio, 
I heard one of the Teamsters say, well, we're having a luncheon today, ladies and gentlemen. I mean, like, yeah, we, you, I've dealt with some crazy ass stuff, you know, y'all, as you all have too. Mm-hmm, you know? Yeah. Well, but you, you know. deal with it and then you act it out. It's different. You like reenact it. So it's, it's to me, it's like. Well, that's my, that's my way of channeling the pain, I guess, you yeah. know, is, is trying to place it somewhere. You know, obviously with Lovecraft, there was a lot I had to pull from. Okay. <laughs> a lot in my life was shitty at that time. Mm. But when, that's what is we there do. talks of season two or a return or. I don't know. That's interesting. Wait, we still? There's, is this see. not an instant slam dunk in? Oh, she said we will see. Like, we will see. Like, we will see. Okay. <laughs> I mean, as in like. Is that a triple wing? You got to ask the powers that be. That's above my pay grade. HBO better say. get their shit together. That's what I know. <laughs> I see it. What? Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd be genuinely hurt if nothing angers me more when I I'd get emotionally involved in a series only for it to be yanked away. You can't make your phone season. calls. What'd Here's you the say? thing. The, the, you can't make your phone calls at 1 a.m. Yeah, yeah the, exactly. The good news is that all signs point to very positive response from yeah. folks, from critics, from, I mean, the I was recently told the pilot is like, it's, you know, setting records for how many people have watched it. So it's yeah, like, I, you know, I'm, it's, I'm, I'm I, I sure that I count shape. for, I can, I count for 28 of those views. Like, <laughs> Journey I watched the pilot like maybe 11 times. Cause I've made other people. Me too. Yeah. Watch yeah, we, as well. We, we're, we're, we're in good shape. Y'all we're in good shape. You Let know. me ask you this. What does it feel like being a part? It's an interesting time where we have Lovecraft, P Valley, the shy, I feel like I'm leaving somebody out. There's one more other show that are like female, black female Watchmen. run show. Watchmen. Oh, well, no, oh, well, no, not just run, not run. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's an interesting time. Does it? I mean, do you feel that? Like, you're yours since you're a part of that too, Amisha. Hell yeah! It's incredibly exciting, and I think one of the exciting things for me about Lovecraft when I read the pilot was it just deconstructs this classic genre in such a radical and bold way. He was way, a racist, you know? so this is really like a fuck you to him. Somebody said that to me, like Lovecraft was like a whole racist. Don't own his grave. Oh. Um, yeah, you know. Oh, okay. uh, <laughs> so this is like a real good fuck you. I love it. Did you know that, Amir? No, school me. Yeah, no, it's it's mentioned briefly in the pilot, Amir, when you, uh, so when you watch it for the 17th time, Yes. When Atticus is when Atticus says to Uncle George, you know, about the essay that Lovecraft wrote called On the Creation of Niggers. Yeah. Um, that's oh. what she talked about. Okay. Yeah. That's what y'all yeah. talked I, I thought you dropped another Easter egg that I wasn't aware of. Oh, no, no, no. I bet this is one of those shows that. where you have to watch twice or three times to catch something yeah. that you didn't catch before. True that. True that. Yeah. I, I do have to say, I keep telling Misha that. I don't know if people are going to love her or hate her by the end of the season. Uh oh. It was it was made for COVID. That's a good this, character. I think no, the, I I think mean, the like timing she... came out perfectly because in in quarantining, this gives you all the time in the world you need to really really concentrate on this. But ju- I and, just got to give you a warning. I just I, where she takes y'all's emotions. So season, so, just... so episode right. 
yeah, as of this taping, we're only on number five. And might we say that number five was was its own thing. I was just proud of all my heterosexual, extra masculine men who continue their Lovecraft journey because it was heavy. <laughs> it's a new day and age, man. It's, man, it's, stop it's, that. Don't be like people. Some certain dudes wasn't like. There's a lot of men that were like, "Hey, they're, they're still watching." But it was people like, that aren't used to Michael K. Williams sort of being fluid in all of his roles. No, not him. The actual act, the sexual act, was heavy. I had to fast oh. forward myself, and I'm, I just, I would say it was heavy. It was heavy. I like it when you do your man voice. Yeah, yeah, that's all I'm saying. Uh, was that? That's what I'm doing. I'm sorry. Yeah, you're going real low. But the two like, themes were both heavy. That, that was heavy, and so it was also what was happy was going with, with Ruby. So that was a oh, that was just brilliant. I'm just, I'm just warning you if you think oh. if you think she has taken you places, we can oh. go even deeper. Oh my god. I'm ready. She Please. Is going to she is going to mess with your mind I'm ready. and Wait, with your and emotions. I have a question. In episode 4, how much of that was green screen or actual location? The the plank scene. Oh, okay. Um uh, I mean, look, obviously a lot of it below, you know, um we were we were up in some mm-hmm. of in some of it, they had us like on wires, maybe like a hundred feet up or mm-hmm. something like that. Um, so they had to fill in the rest of it, but oh, okay. it was it was it was a lot of fun to to do some of that stunt work. You know, I, I love. I, stunts. I would be remiss to say that uh, there is a Lovecraft Country uh, radio. Yes, Shannon, and, and it's it's deeply pretty great. breaks down all the episodes. Oh shoot! Okay, it's really so special. driving to the farm. That's kind of yeah. what I'm what I'm listening to. I highly recommend after watching each episode, go and listen to that because they really do a a great job of breaking it down. From the writer's perspective, too. um, Yeah, absolutely. From the writer's room. It's thoroughly thoroughly broken down. Well, before Amir ends or whatever, I just want to say, Journey, I just got to tell you, as a representation of fanhood out here, I appreciate every role you have chosen and all the energy you have put into them. Thank you so much. Just thank you. Yes. Any, are you allowed to talk about future projects that you're working on or is everything super NDA? Oh. We'll see it when we see it. Ah, you'll, you'll hear about something soon. Oh, wait, Journey, how do you feel uh, filming in a COVID America? Who says I'm going to be in America? I might be uh, filming. Exactly. Oh, yeah. cool. well, then, the world is okay now. Uh, it's no, just it us. Is. It is. Mm. Oh, we're worse. Other we're the worst. places. Other places. Listen, when I tell you they have found places. Because it ain't yes. London. I've never been to. But okay. I'm excited to go to. Okay. Oh. But um, it's definitely going to be different. You know, some of the stuff we have to do, um, this project I'm about to do, you got to like quarantine for two weeks. I'm like, yeah, I've been quarantined, but okay, I'll continue. Cool. You got quarantine in the quarantine. It's a thing. Yeah, you got to get tested like every meditine. day. Meditine. That's what oh, y'all do there. with Sesame Street? Yeah, we get tested like every day. The Muppets every, can't be yeah. around each other. Um, no, it's too close. <laughs> the Muppets can't be around each other? <laughs> no. Actually, I was joking, but I think you're serious, Bill. Yeah, of course I'm serious. I'm a very serious person. But also, uh, the, 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 they, the, yeah. They, it, it's like one person, a director. It's, it's it's the same way that everything else is filmed. Everything's in right. zones, zone right. A and zone B, and da da. da. Okay. And it's ridiculous, and that's what we're doing. But that's how in it is, man. country, okay, wherever you're going. I I hope you appreciate how painless this was. Was it? We should have asked her. Was it painless? Yeah. Hey, Journey. It was, how- a, lot of, it was a lot of fun. 
from a one to from a one to getting teeth pulled, how easy was this uh, interview? It was Just a playing. two point seven. Okay, <laughs> that was fucking. Now specific. I'm wondering where awesome. the missteps were, but okay. <laughs> anyway, well, happy Jern. early birthday, Journey! Happy early birthday. Oh, thank you. Yeah, Journey. You. Go co-parenting, Journey. Co-parenting is a journey, and I'm not even mm-hmm. fucking around. That's just wait real. a minute, Jern, 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 Jern. Oh. Ah, dude, on one last line. question, dude. You're you're singing. You oh, you finally. Yeah. How how was the process of of singing For... Birds of Prey and and and? Oh, that was really you and Birds of Prey singing. Oh, excuse me. Wait. No. Oh, wait. <laughs> <laughs> wait. Shots fired. I know. I'm sorry. I'm, no offense. I'm if you so, can see I'm, Journey's face right I'm now, I'm so sorry, I mean, Journey. Um. It was me singing. I did my stunts. I mean, you I mean, know, I know you did just what I, I do. No, I just like if my character is gonna do a, a I, I gotta do all the uncomfortable things. You can say like, a love scene. If we gonna do martial arts, if we gonna I love sing, the love scene and love Yes, thank you. Okay. Oh yeah. Okay. You killed it, and I, you sang your ass off in that movie. So okay. Thank you. Yeah. Wow. Amir's been trying to get me to sing. He's been trying to get me to sing forever. It's the thing I am most terrified to do. Um. And singing, I yeah. you come from a singing family. I, know, I imagine y'all exactly. do and the they, dishes together, singing and all that stuff. Oh, we do, but but <laughs> <laughs> first of all, Amir didn't tell y'all how he came over to Thanksgiving dinner one year. Wait a minute, I, you- I, I that was the whole premise of the last time you guys were Dang. on the show. Y'all oh, yeah, cook that's right. Too. That's right. Ooh, that's right. <laughs> Every Thanksgiving, Amir texts me. Who be on that text thread? Me, Jake, Jesse, Jazz, like the entire family. I want to know what like, time. At like ten o'clock what at time? night, he'll text us and be like, "Y'all eat dinner yet?" No, y'all take the turkey out yet? <laughs> Why y'all always eat late like that? Ten o'clock. Yes, dude. It's only oh, real on black. Thanksgiving. That's so only one Thanksgiving because everyone's got to make their dish and everyone's dish has got to be better than the other person and everyone we, is like. We went light on Journey. Journey has made houses with her hands. That Journey yeah, is true. she could be tool time like like Yeah. <laughs> I, I I we do carpentry. My my house, table, my eight carpentry, house table. She's a plumber. I Dude, have remodeled d- homes with my yes. brother Jake. I watched yeah, the decorating just, show, so I'm see them kill. All right, good stuff. Yeah. Listen, exactly. I can I can refinish your hardwood floor. You need me to. <laughs> I can. Don't, don't say that. I take it today. Home. True story. Journey is the most. Look it up. What sandpaper on... you need? What great sandpaper ah, you need? Based semi gloss, on... <laughs> matte finish, all that that's shit. Not, My that's shit not just got sandpaper. To... That's, no, that's that's, that's fucking polyurethane. Yeah. Okay. You're not handy, Bill. Stop. Much for the record, I am not. However, my house just got renovated. It finished literally today. I'm not even fucking around. The polyurethane fucking semi-gloss got done today. She didn't pick up a motherfucking thing. Journey talking about putting her hands on the wood. I can install a fucking ceiling fan. So can Journey. You do. I did every <laughs> clearly. I'm serious. Hey, if I, hey, if, I was on the tonight show. Nine hundred thousand right now. I got to have like a, a twenty-eight bedroom <laughs> mansion. Yeah, I'm not lying. We we appreciate you and thank you, Journey. I love y'all. All right. So uh, much love. On behalf of the entire Team Supreme, this is Questlove, <laughs> and we will see you on the next go round. All right. Good night.
Much Love Supreme is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.